Hello, and welcome to the summer season finale of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. This is part one of a two-part special episode where we celebrate the work of Christopher Nolan and talk about how he mean, what he means to us as a, as a, a vessel of entertainment and just how we feel about, about our experiences while watching his, his movies. And uh, so basically we're going to kick things off with uh, kind of running down the line and see what everyone here on the panel... Uh, Thanks of it. By the way, my name is Matt, your host, uh, uh, at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. I'm joined with Mike, uh, at I am Mike White, and uh, Tiny, at Obsessive Tiny. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Obsessive Viewer, online, anywhere. So, all right, to get things kicked off. Well, we've reached the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, it's the end of the Dark Knight trilogy, um, the 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 legend as it, as it was called. Um, a lot of, as with any third entry in a franchise or in a trilogy, they there was a there was a lot of divisive um, opinions about it, and yeah. so I'm I'm actually very eager to talk about this one with you guys because. I I loved it. I, it wasn't quite as good as The Dark Knight, and it kind of suffered in that um, The Dark Knight. What made like what was The Dark Knight? What made it so great was for me was Heath Ledger as Joker was just phenomenal, and uh, and Tom Hardy as Bane. He was just I, I thought he he knocked it out of the park. And what and I said this to Tiny after we saw after we saw it the second time um, at IMAX actually was that. It's his uh, his performance is so people make them people people remark that Tom Hardy's performance is is hampered by the fact that he's wearing a mask. But I think that that enlivens his performance slightly because you can see you can see his his emotion. He emotes strictly from about 30 percent of his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all in the eyes. Like if you see in the in the movie, he doesn't blink hardly at all. Like he blinks maybe in two scenes, and it's very emotionally driven scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I, I loved it. I loved the movie. Thought it was very uh, a fitting end to it. Um, what do you guys think? You want to defer to me? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I loved it too. I had a lot to say about it. I remember uh, the the morning after. I don't even know that I got a full eight hours of sleep after that midnight uh hmm. but i we got on matt to make a point to uh to skype each other and talk about yeah, it to iChat that's true. and uh and i had a lot to say i really 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 enjoy the movie i love it i i think i would put it above um batman begins in in the list of the the three movies if if we're doing that i don't know that that matters but i think uh, i would too yeah um, and, and as a whole, it's great. My big problem with it and the thing that bugged me the most, uh, was people's reaction to the ending. Yeah. It really, totally. really, really bugged me. The squeals in the theater when, when they called, uh, when they called Joseph Gordon-Levitt Robin, when he says, use my, use my real first name, Robin, that bothered yeah. me so much. And I kind of got over it because I, you know. I talked it out with a lot of people, yeah. uh, and I like the idea that essentially John Blake was being Robin throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a sidekick, um, but I di- I didn't like the that people thought that 
Bruce Wayne would come back as Batman and he would be Robin and now Robin is going to be Robin even though his name is Robin and no Robin has ever been actually named Robin. It was just a mess. <laughs> uh, and I thought it was um, – and I, and I analyzed it in two ways. I thought at first that it was um, Nolan just like paying fan service and saying, here's, here's Robin. Let's see what you think of that. But I also think it's his way of – the the whole time leading up to the movie he was saying that there would be no robin in my movies it's kind of mm-hmm. like saying well yeah there is robin not the robin you were looking for you know what i mean like all you True. get is that some guy's first name is robin i think it was almost like a jab at those people who wanted it so badly absolutely it's, yeah i'm a little back and forth with it i think it's more i think it was more just a cheeky thing like huh, hey he's kind of robin so let's just do that mm-hmm. um let's make him robin but I literally, I, it, I literally heard the reaction. Ooh, he's gonna be Robin. Oh, uh, people, and, th- and that was my that was my problem. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. That annoyed you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have annoyed me too. I I didn't. My personal reaction was just I just when I saw it I just kind of laughed. I was like, huh, that's funny. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think I think that was the intention. Was it was just I don't even know if I would call it fan service. I just think it was like a fun. Just a fun little thing to throw in there. Just, sure. Yeah. You know, sure. that, that that's how I viewed it anyways. I mean, there, I was, didn't a, like... there was a gasp in the theater. <laughs> oh, God. It's going to be Robin. I, I honestly, I didn't like the, uh, I didn't like the, the fans being like, well, uh, no, he's John Blake. He's not Robin. That was, that was like the, they, it seemed like it was just totally, um, like it ruined the movie for them that the character's name is actually Robin. Mm-hmm. The kind of the kind of because there was some outcry about that, and I felt like that was more like I, I'm just like this is this is Nolan's Batman saga. It's not very factual to it's not very it's a loose adaptation of the it's comics. Not, it's not canon. It's not accurate. To yeah, me. yeah. It's not. Right. They're not going for accuracy, and just because a character is in spirit Robin and in name doesn't mean that he needs to be. Dick Grayson or, or whatever. And even more, he's not going to be Robin. He is almost yeah. certainly going to be Batman. Right. Right. You know? Or yeah. or, or an interpretation or whatever. of Batman. Right. 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 People, yeah. people uh, said, oh, what about Nightwing? And, and then <laughs> it was like, well, okay, I guess. Yeah. Some interpretation How, of Batman, yeah. Yeah. Uh, real briefly, because we need to talk about the actual movie. Um, <laughs> also, uh, how did you... Mike, you specifically, or both of you, how did you feel about what if, what if, uh, I mean, it's moot, it's moot now, but how would you have felt if they had said, we're going to have Joseph Gordon-Levitt play Batman in the Justice League movies and we're going to have it, um, have it tie in with the Nolan universe? I really, see, my, my bias towards Joseph Gordon-Levitt would be excited because I, Mm -hmm. I think he's a fantastic um, so I, I would be excited in, in that for that, but I, it would be kind of silly, I guess, I guess for continuity reasons, it would be kind of cool, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I would like it, but I, I don't know if I'm really the best authority to comment on it. So right. I will, I will defer to Mike. Yes. Our resident <laughs> comic book. Yeah. Yes. Um, as much as I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt to, to start a justice league franchise, with a with a starting movie 
it would really mm. lack something if your if your Batman was not Bruce Wayne. Severely, it would severely lack something. That's Good true. Point. If that was the case, <laughs> and and I and I don't, I think it would be very unwise to do that because I think more, even casual fans would cry foul that yeah. that Bruce Wayne is is not Batman at the at the start of a Justice League movie. You know, mm-hmm. Bruce true. Wayne founded the Justice League, so that you, you know, that's just they would plenty of people would cry foul. Fair point. Yeah, okay. I just like the idea of. Joseph Gordon-Levitt being in anything, really. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, like true. I said, I would love to see, you know, while the origin is not the way I would like to see it, if they just mm-hmm. said, hey, we're going to do Nightwing or whatever, I would watch right. it. Or or if it was like uh, John Blake's Batman, I would watch that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Um, so let's get, let's get into the meat and bones of the actual movie. Um, Gotham Under Siege... I personally just loved that. I thought it was a great a great bookend to a trilogy that um was very much about uh Bruce Wayne um fighting for the survival of his city. Yeah. And I felt like seeing that city just completely destroyed and at its deepest depth or at the at its at its hardest at its most rock bottomness. Um <laughs> Was just, I thought it was a, a, a very ballsy and, and just really, really interesting way to way to go about concluding a trilogy. Yeah, you. I, I like the way you you said that that he had to save Gotham because mm-hmm. in the first film he prevents an attack. In the the second film, he stops an attack that's in progress. You know mm-hmm. where. Uh, essentially the joker's trying to hold the city hostage and in the third film he's trying to reverse a successful attack mm-hmm. you know it's the city's lost it's gone he has to save it you know it's it's very they're they're very it's a very uh a very tight progression of of risk to the city of gotham it, mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's a it's an evolution that, that the the plots go through it's it's you know it's prevention it's and then it's saving and it's it's, it's all these different it's, it's they're very different but they're very similar uh it, it has both aspects to it that's mm-hmm. that's what i liked about the, the plot as far as the conflict plot of mm-hmm. of the films the whole trilogy good analysis yeah. I, I like that i mm-hmm. like the idea that of the the evolution of the city under siege and and uh mm-hmm. bruce wayne batman Me too. F- defending uh defending stop lossing yeah <laughs> and then rebuilding right yeah. progressively right. you know i like that That's i like cool. it a lot i like that i um, didn't intend it when i said it like that i didn't intend that uh analysis when i when i said saving the city but now that you say that that's that's spot on cool i like it mm-hmm. i like it and i'm gonna take credit for it <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah that i, I love seeing gotham that way too and i think mm-hmm. it was cool that they chose I think out of necessity more than anything, but they chose to shoot it in Pittsburgh instead of Chicago, like the first two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it felt like a different city when it was when it was under the rule of Bane, and oh. actually, it's te- if you want to be technical, it's under the rule of the people. Right, um, right. But you know, it, when it when it when it had descended into chaos, it was an entirely different city. So it was kind of cool that they shot it at a different city. That's true, That's and also, yeah. yeah, and also. To point out, they also shot it out of tax 
reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And plus, yeah. I think Nolan's actual reasoning was they had literally shot every inch of Chicago. Yeah. So yeah. they just had they had nothing else to go on. Exactly. Yeah. I, it makes you wonder how much of that is rhetoric, like how much they're selling mm-hmm. that they want to make Gotham uh, uh, difficult to identify, and then how much of it was tax reason and this and that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because right. they, yeah. they definitely were like, well, we wanted to make sure that you couldn't say it's this or that or this, you know. But it's pretty clearly mm-hmm. Chicago in the Dark Knight, so yeah. So that's difficult. That's difficult for me to believe. Right. So, um, talk about real quick the. Uh, this is spoilers. You know we're in spoiler country here, guys. Um, <laughs> Talia Al Ghul. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I thought that I didn't pick up on this the first few times I saw it, and I don't think I even picked up on it until I saw it. Someone mentioned it online, but when. When she and Bruce are in uh, 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 in his mansion, and after they've just banged, um, <laughs> she like she literally. This is before, obviously, before we know her true nature. She, they show her actually starting a fire in the fireplace. Like she stokes the fire and she starts a fire. And I just hmm. think that's hmm. that's a great visual foreshadowing or visual indicator of. Uh, of it. And it's the kind of depth that you don't really see in a lot of comic book movies. It's symbolic imagery. There you go. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, the, uh, and also the oh go ahead sorry go ahead what were you gonna say I was just gonna say I liked I liked the twist I didn't see it coming even though I should have because yeah me too uh, like the whole time I was like okay well all right Bane is uh, Ra's al Ghul's son I guess or, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, that's cool. I mean, yeah. And it just never really struck with me. It never really hit me that, oh, wait, he did have a, he did have a kid. Oh, yeah, there's a woman. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, I loved it. I, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I think My, even, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> I was just going to talk about uh, that it, the Dark Knight Rises had, one of, if not my absolute favorite scenes in the entire trilogy, actually. Please be the scene I'm thinking of. Go ahead. It's the scene where there is no music, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Batman and Bane fight for the first time. The oh, yeah. it's just awesome. It's so it's... awesome how he tears him down, and it's it's so it's so real looking that mm-hmm. I suspect somebody got roughed up. Yeah, I, yeah. I. And my, uh, it's it's probably my favorite sequence of the entire trilogy, and one of my favorite sequences of Nolan's entire career. Um, I just I just love it. It's just that that atmosphere. And what's crazy about it is I, I've I've sang Hans Zimmer's praises mm-hmm. a lot, and yeah. uh, and it's just amazing to me that there's none of him in that. Nothing. Right. It's like, the, it's no the sounds of the sewer. It's the sound of the water falling in the background. It's the sounds of the punches. It's just a awesome. really exactly a, a really cool set too, yeah. where, where it's where yeah. it's set at. And I I agree that I, I think it's um, behind the zero gravity fight in Inception. I think it's Nolan's best work, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I agree. It's a lot of if if you look at the um, I, I think that. That scene, the dialogue that Bane has in that scene is so haunting. It's like yes. that's it's almost like a horror scene mixed with a with an action scene about how he he talks about being born in darkness. And yes, he's being yep. both figurative and literal. Uh, it's yeah. it's it's a really 
it's a very chilling scene on so it many is. levels. It's hard mm. to watch. Man, Sticks we've with mentioned you. we've mentioned horror a couple times. How great would a would a Chris Nolan oh. psychological thriller horror movie be? Oh yeah. man, Oof, that's a conversation be. for another it episode. Is. Because <laughs> that would be great. I mean, any uh, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, I um, hmm. I will say my my initial. Th- I had a lot of feelings after after watching the movie, mm-hmm. and I thought about it a lot. But as I thought about it more, it was uh, it was it was a really good movie, and I was satisfied with what they gave me. But it's not what mm-hmm. I it's not what I wished for after the Dark Knight was over. I I think it was intentional. Uh, I think it was intended that Heath Ledger would be back as the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, it you know of course his death is even more haunting in the line in the Dark Knight when he says, "I think the two of us are going to be doing this for a long time." Right, and, and of course mm-hmm. they're not. That that's a bummer uh, mm-hmm. for more reasons than just the the world lost a great talent. Um, but to you know to the movie universe. Um, but I was hoping to see like the Riddler. Oh, man. I think that would have Dude. made for a really good, twisty, Nolan-type plot. I wanted mm-hmm. so badly for the third movie to be where uh, Batman goes up against the Riddler. Riddler finds out who he is and taunts him through, like, yeah. just just plays a just plays this mind game with him. Right. And, and like, I wanted I wanted Riddler to be a sadistic serial killer. Who is trying to frame Batman for the murders or whatever, and is just taunting him? And yep. I wanted I wanted it to be like a seven, like like seven, but uh, in Batman. Yeah, um, I uh, I just wanted a good depiction of the Riddler. As much as I love Jim Carrey, and I and mm-hmm. I actually kind of do like Batman Forever. And I know and I know we don't like to compare the two series, but right? I, I do like Batman Forever, but uh, but Jim Carrey's Riddler is essentially the Joker in a green leotard. Yeah, and and yeah. so to to get a to get a really good Riddler would be awesome, right? Right. Um, one of my I think one of my favorite parts about the uh, the film is how how Bruce Wayne Bruce Wayne's attitude towards his role his 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 dedication to the city of Gotham. He says throughout the film, or he he implies throughout the film that he feels like he needs to die in order mm-hmm. yeah. to, to fully, he feels like he has to make that sacrifice. And one of the things that I wanted from the film, um, it's what I wanted from the trilogy. I wanted, I wanted Batman to die. I that, that's actually what I wanted from, from the trilogy. Not, I realize as far as, you know, the comics that may not make a lot of sense, but I th- feel like for this trilogy specifically, I feel like he needed mm-hmm. to die. He did, and essentially, He did. It, that's what I was going to say. Essentially, that's what happened. Go ahead. I'm, feel sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted Batman to die, and I think that's, that's what we got, but I think Bruce Wayne felt like he needed to die. He, feel like, he felt like throughout the film that Bruce Wayne needed to die, but he didn't. It just had to be Batman. He, he, he forgot that... He forgot that he's a symbol, that Batman is a symbol, and that it can a symbol can be whatever you want it to be, right. and that he could he could achieve that through the death of Batman, and he didn't need to die himself in order to in order to achieve that. That's a really know. good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah, I mean, 
despite wanting wanting the Riddler, and like I said, um, that would have been a completely different movie, obviously. Um, I still feel like this was de- definitely a great end to to. Uh, uh, I would say soon, uh, almost iconic trilogy. Um, and the long run in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think in 10 years, 15 years, uh, do you think we will remember the trilogy or will people mostly just talk about the dark Knight? It's a good question. I think, I think people will talk about the trilogy because I feel like while the dark Knight is so different from the first, I feel mm-hmm. like the last two, the two sequels complement each other so well and they're so similar that, you know, they're dark and gritty. They're All three of them are dark and gritty, but um, mm-hmm. the second, the, 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 the two sequels have such a psychological aspect to them that I think people will just, just accept all of them as like one long movie almost. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the two sequels will be, will be viewed as like one long movie in yeah. my opinion. So yeah. that's, I feel like they'll talk about the trilogy as opposed to just the Dark Knight. Hmm. I think so too. And I think in the, I think uh, in the long run, Nolan's legacy will uh, endure more than the than the trilogy itself. I think. I hope. That's my hope, at least. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, uh, I think the lay. I think lay people will remember the trilogy, but mm-hmm. as far as the industry, I think they've already forgotten the Dark Knight Rises. I think. I think people <laughs> still remember the Dark Knight. Hmm. And that. And when you that's and when you point. hear famous people talk, <laughs> people who work <laughs> with the studios talk. It's they still just mention the Dark Knight, you know. True. true. And already, yeah. I don't hear much about the Dark Knight Rises anymore. Yeah, good point. One, yeah. yeah, thanks. Hmm. One of the things I missed from the trailers was the um, <laughs> "You are as precious to me as you were <laughs> to your own mother and father." <laughs> <laughs> I swore to them that I, I would protect you. I would protect you. And I and have it. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't in the movie. I wish it was. I, that's one of my main complaints with it. Is I wish that it was kept in the movie because I wish that. Because to have that in this in it and then have the ending with him crying at their grave, mm-hmm. that it would have it would have been tighter. The line way. totally fits. The line oh, absolutely did not, to be, not need to be removed whatsoever. Yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah. It's a strange. It's strange. It's too bad. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to bring up really quickly that we've had three adaptations of the Batman character. We've had, you know, Schumacher and Nolan and uh, Tim Burton. Uh, I, I think you couldn't really make the case that, you know, Nolan is not the best because it, it is. His interpretation's the quintessential mm-hmm. Batman. But I I also think that those other two interpretations have value in my opinion. I mean, it's, e- it's very easy to pick on the Schumacher ones mm-hmm. because they're so silly. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you watch those movies, they were never intended to be taken seriously. Oh, I yeah. mean, right. Arnold Schwarzenegger makes like seven freezing jokes yeah. in the movie. <laughs> There's no way that people were supposed to sit there and watch it as like this serious drama, you know? Yeah. So I feel like people kind of beat up on those a lot and you know, it's, most of it is warranted, but I still think you know what. Just sit back and have a little bit of fun with it. I don't think it's. I don't think they're that awful that we need to treat mm-hmm. it as a redheaded stepchild. You know, just yeah. beat up on it, pick up on it all the time. Well, the I, way I think the problem, I think the main mm-hmm. issue people have 
is the stark contrast between those two, uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, in comparison mm-hmm. to the original Batman and then the, the superior Batman Returns. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those, those are very dark in tone, uh, pretty serious, um, and, and that is a very stark contrast, especially because they are direct sequels. Yeah. The way that... The way I see it, and I, this is based on um, a conversation I had with a coworker of mine, um, and I, I can't con- corroborate his analysis of it, but um, he said that it was basically the studio saying, "Okay, we want to sell some Batman toys, so mm. let's uh, mm. let's make a movie." Toyification. Yeah. Yep, I believe it. Mm. Yeah. So that could be at the heart of what's wrong with those movies. Yeah. But that's right. for another podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nolan, Nolan successfully closed his, his trilogy and now he's going to go do an interstellar and whatever else um, he has planned. And it's, it's, I feel like he did proper justice to the character of Batman and the world that he created for that character. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, definitely. That's good. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, Chris Nolan. Yes, for all thank the you, Chris you. Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to be on a podcast, I mean, <laughs> you can you can reach us. Yeah, we can work our schedules around you, Chris. <laughs> yes. If there's one podcast you do, do the Nerdist because <laughs> I want to hear what Chris Hardwick has to say. That's but if you do two, yeah. but if you do two. <laughs> I love it. You can contact us at obsessiveviewer. <laughs> uh, yeah. All yeah. right. Well, is that about wrap it up? Wraps it up. That's it. All right. Sweet. Well, good talk, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Mike, why don't you share with us uh, some of your thoughts about the work of Christopher Nolan? Sure. Uh, and I also want to say for starters that I'm I look how far we've come in a season. <laughs> Right? It's good. I'm surprised we didn't do a clip show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next season. Yeah. Right. Maybe. Um, well, my first, uh, I guess, my first real introduction to Chris Nolan as a director was probably Memento in college. Yes. Now, that's not to say I didn't first see Batman Begins in theaters, but I saw it because it was a Batman movie, not because it was a Chris Nolan movie. And I, and I guess in the same sense, I didn't see Memento because it was a Chris Nolan movie. I saw it because our our film teacher said that that's what we're going to watch. Right. Um, I remember I was very excited for you to see it, and I was very excited to see it in, in class. You were, and rightfully so. I loved it. I yes. loved it immediately. And that and that's kind of when I kind of when I was aware of this uh, Chris Nolan guy. And it, <laughs> I'm trying to... I can't place exactly when we watched it, but was it after the release of Batman Begins on DVD? Um, it was. It was. Yeah. It was second semester. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the Batman Begins DVD came out in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had even watched Batman Begins again just for the Batmanness of it, which <laughs> I loved. I, I love that movie. So... But anyway, it was after I watched the the DVD of Batman Begins, and then I saw Memento, and, and fell in love, uh, fell in love immediately. And I was, I just, I couldn't wait for, uh, for uh, the Dark Knight, which I guess was a ways down the way. So, so I saw the Prestige after that, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's very good. Uh...
So next up, next up is 2010's Inception. Uh, it's I I loved it. Um, all its faults, it has some faults, but I feel like despite its faults, it's also nearly perfect in its entertainment value. Like yeah. it is. It is one of my Desert Island movies. I would, I could watch this movie from beginning to end at any time. If I come across it on TV and I see it playing, I will watch it through to the end. Um, I just, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's the story of, for those on, for the two people who haven't <laughs> seen it or don't know about it, it's about a team of, it's, it's, it's a sci, sci-fi heist movie that takes place in, in uh, people's minds pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what did you guys think of Inception? Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> you always defer to me. I do. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. It's, um, if I had to rank, it would be, it would be behind the Dark Knight, but pretty high up there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to give it to this movie for the bendiness of it. Uh, I also like the performances more than a lot of the other movies uh if you if you kind of take heath ledger out of the dark knight i I think uh the performances as a whole and inception are better um Mm -hmm. maybe i guess because i'm comparing the the main protagonist leonardo dicaprio to the main protagonist in the dark knight christian bale which which doesn't get a whole lot of play in the dark knight uh but i love i love leonardo dicaprio in that movie um I love the twistiness. the The only thing uh, to its detriment is its runtime <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the other movies I've seen several times, and I just sometimes don't. I, I'm not able to squeeze in a two and a half hour flick as much as I would love to. You know, just watch this if it were on TV. I can't mm-hmm. dedicate that much time to it. I wish <laughs> I could because it's such a great movie. But uh, I've, I've I've seen it significantly fewer than a lot of the other movies. Interesting, hmm. tiny. Um, I, I, I love Inception. It holds, uh, it holds a special place in my brain, not my heart, because it <laughs> absolutely it destroyed my brain. It was, it was the second time that Nolan, really, you know, reached in and jumbled my brain. Um, I, I think it's, as far as structure goes, I think it's Nolan's best work. Um, which is a, a very bold statement, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but like like Mike said, it's it's not flawless because it's very it's super exposition heavy. Uh, yeah. It kind of has to be. But the the, the runtime of it is 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 a factor as well. And I think not just the fact that it's that it's two and a half hours, but when you look at the first act is really long. The first act is like an hour long. It's crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. it actually, it's, it's to the point where they, they get all the way into like the final dream and there's like 45 minutes left in the movie. It's, it's crazy. It's just, it's, it's just way too long. There's too much talking. It's, it it is, it is, it does, it does have flaws, but I think even those flaws are pretty cool (laughs) to hear, (laughs) to hear him talk about it and, and explain explain everything is still really cool especially the first time you watch it it's it's a detriment to it on repeat viewings because you know what you already have all the information but uh it's still just an amazing film um 
besides the once you get past that first act, the pacing is just unreal. The amount of the amount of intense action and drama that they pack into the last hour of that movie is borderline unprecedented, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just how much they were able to cram in there. Um, it's it's an amazing film, and it's it's something that you can watch. You could every time you watch it, you pick up something new. Um, and I think that's that's indicative of only a few films ever, honestly. Uh, 2001 Space mm-hmm. Odyssey comes to mind. Every time you watch it, you pick up something new from it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that is that is a special mark that very few films can achieve. I agree. Um, it's funny you say that about it being too long, both of you, because I, I feel like it's a very tight two and a half hours. Um the actual heist that goes on doesn't start until, like, like you said, it's uh, about an hour in because um, mm-hmm. the first act is all set up and all that. But once that starts, I mean, it's just boom. I mean, I'm just in for – I'm strapped in and ready to go. It is, it is it, a rocket ride from there. It is. Yeah. It does go. I didn't, I didn't mean to say that it drags. Um, okay. You, and, I, and I don't think Tiny is either. I think he's just uh, kind of saying – you know, like the first hour of it is is pretty long exposition. I got and, you. And then it is hard to say. I'm gonna sit around. I'm gonna sit down for two and a half hours. Uh, when you when you know what's coming. For me, it literally yeah. is just. I have trouble watching a two and a half hour movie anymore. Right. Hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um. But with, I mean, I just, I just feel like it's. It doesn't feel like a two and a half hour movie. I understand time constraints and all that, mm-hmm. but I just, I mean, I, I. I love it. I didn't have a problem with the length of it, um, which is bizarre for me because I usually am one of those guys that's like, oh, this is two and a half hours. Oh, okay. Um, but I just – and I loved it. And even with the exposition-heavy stuff, I mean, there are lines where I just – I anymore – I've seen the movie several, 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 several times. Um, and there's lines now that they're so – there's the only purpose – behind them is to be exposition and it's it's such the ratio of exposition to actual like dialogue is is staggering i mean it's it's kind of it's it's way too high like there's too much exposition in it um and this goes back to it just being a summer blockbuster for uh, trying to appeal to a mass audience because i honestly i don't think it's that hard to follow um i really don't and it, it was just I feel like it could have been, it could have been cut out. Like, um, one of the cringiest lines in that movie is toward the end when they're at the at the fortress, at the snow fortress or whatever. Uh, which I, having seen, having now seen a Honor Majesty Secret Service, I kind of love that nod to uh, Bond that uh, mm-hmm. that Nolan did. But um, there's a scene where where Maul is in the fortress and. Cobb and Ariadne are looking and he has the gun he has the sights trained on her as she's as she's about to shoot uh um uh Killian Murphy um in there's or there's guys surrounding her or there's guys surrounding Killian Murphy and he's picking them off that's what it was he's picking off the henchmen as they're trying to get to Killian Murphy and Ariadne's like, are you, are you destroying parts of his subconscious? And he's like, no, they're just projections. They're not part of that. And it's like, yeah. we've been watching this movie two, for two hours, dude. We don't need that. Right. We don't. Yeah. 
we don't need that line. Those are Good those point. are reminders. Yeah. I call those reminders. Yeah. Just for the for the people who haven't been paying attention. Yeah. Right. And I feel like I feel like uh um I just I just feel like that if you pay attention, I feel like uh your faith should be rewarded. Um <laughs> Yeah. People deserve it, that, it don't kind they? Of wasn't. <laughs> 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 um uh. Matt mentioned that some people think it's hard to follow and i i agree with what you said that it's not it's not hard to follow but it does require a lot of effort to follow it i'll put it that way it you, does. you have to be yeah, sure. very involved to follow it and there are a lot of people who don't want to do that when they go see a movie um mm-hmm. especially a big blockbuster summer movie like this um which we mentioned earlier about how nolan can blend those two things really well i think that was mike yeah. mike's point but and that is that is true. I, I agree. This is probably one of the best examples of blending those two things. But mm-hmm. some people just don't want that when they go see a movie like this. And for example, I I feel like I'm our our token uh, our token gender reference guy. But <laughs> I I have yet to meet a woman who enjoyed the film. Um, really? My mom, my mom watched liked it. it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Huh. My mom liked it a lot. Interesting. So it must just be me then, because I like my mom watched it, didn't like it. Uh, several of my aunts and my cousins, uh, a lot of other, like some of my friends, girlfriends and wives, they watched it and just they didn't, they didn't, they didn't think it was bad or anything. They were just like, yeah, I didn't like it. It was just too, it was crazy huh. and yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I, I guess it's just me. Well, yeah, it I, is. It's just Go my ahead. mom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, For maybe the most part. But that is interesting, and, and I and I agree. That's a that's a that's a discussion on gender. Um, yeah. So you know. Yeah, and it's I, not necessarily. Well, I almost said it's not necessarily a guy movie, but I mean, we talked about his uh, Nolan's gender, um, the way the way he write he writes genders in a very clear way, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I feel so, like. Yeah. I feel like it's not when when you talk about the film you can say you, you can say that it has a very very intense love story in it you know because it it sure. does but yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's a very it's obviously it's it's one-sided you know it's it's only from the male perspective really right because she's dead but she's also kind of alive <laughs> at the same time um mm-hmm. it's so it is it's a very unique it's it's a very unique love story, we, uh, and I think I think it's a one sided one. So we could we could uh, ask my fiance what she thinks. Oh, yeah. Do you okay. want to get her in here? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Let's ask her. All right, let's ask her. Okay. Hey, Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> Come here really fast. I like it. So Amanda, uh, as a woman. Amanda is my fiance, by the way. As a woman, what did what did you think of Inception? You didn't like it, right? I did not like it, and I probably will never see it again. Holy cow! <laughs> wow, never oh, see it again. Bold statement. Yeah, you won't yeah. even give it a chance. I'm a very bold person, <laughs> <laughs> but not bold enough to watch the movie. No, I uh, I was saying uh, to Mike before that. Whenever I saw it, I think my first mistake was seeing it at midnight. And uh, if you know anything about me, I cannot stay up very late, especially <laughs> a movie. I mean, it could be three o'clock in the afternoon, and if a movie's on, I usually fall asleep. 
<laughs> but with Inception, it was just such a, a complicated movie that it was just really hard to follow. Okay. Okay. Um, is that the only time you've seen it? That is the only time I've seen it. And I remember, um, I remember the beginning and it just, it didn't capture my attention right away. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just kind of got bored with it and I fell asleep for a little while and I woke up and I saw the ending and (laughs) I missed a, probably a pretty good chunk, but I could, I could piece together the entire movie just in general, even though I missed a big old chunk, but I mean, I Mm -hmm. knew the gist of what happened. Okay. Well, I don't know. Interesting. Um, I don't know if I'm, you got all the uh, the intricacies and stuff. I, yeah. I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe not because maybe that's why I don't like it that much. But huh. I don't know. It's almost too um, intricate for me. Okay. 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 I ma- I made the point that that you know it's it has a I feel like it has something in it for the female audience because there's a very intense love story in the movie. Um, you know, this guy goes the extra mile to essentially keep, keep his dead wife alive so that he can spend time with her. Um, so I, whenever I explain the movie to, to a woman or something, I say, you know, it has a really good love story in it. So there's something in it for everybody. It's, it's, it's for, it's not just a, a guy movie or whatever. Hmm. So does, I, I does don't know. That that's, make you want to see it at all, Amanda? Yeah. <laughs> Be- mainly, I think because it's, I don't know, there's just, the the complication of the movie, complicatedness of the movie, <laughs> <laughs> is heavier than the romance story. So it's not, while it, I think that that might pull in some mm-hmm. uh, female audience, for me, it just it was not nearly enough. It, mm-hmm. and, and not that I like, I'm not a chick flick crazy kind of person or anything. I like good movies, but just for me, just overall inception was not, was not hitting the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then you also, you mentioned, I mean, it was a midnight showing and you were tired. So were you, let me ask you this. Were you excited to see it in any way? Okay. You weren't. I thought it would be cool. I mean, I would see the previews, and I thought that it looked really neat, you know, the graphics and stuff. So I guess I was kind of interested. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess I guess if that preview came out today, I would say, yeah, that looks really neat, but I probably won't ever see that movie. I Just see. Because for me, it's it's not my kind of movie. I like, mm-hmm. um, I don't like movies that it takes you so long to try to figure out what's going on. Right. And then the, the whole ending thing where it's just a big debate as to what happens, that's just yeah. not my kind of movie. For for Amanda, I think, and what I what I kind of get from being with her for a couple of years now, is uh, is that she for her a movie really is about the escapism. Okay, you know what okay. I mean as a as a relaxation point. Okay, and I and I think when they when she has to do too much work, it's <laughs> it's like work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I see. Definitely. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, Amanda, have you ever seen Memento? <laughs> I have not. Okay. I'm not okay. sure I even know what that's about. Yeah. What do you think of The Dark Knight? The Dark Knight I like. And I saw that at midnight. Yeah. So that I think huh. that says something, right? 
Yeah. I did like it. That's the only I I think I've tried to watch Batman Begins like thirty times and I always fall asleep. But the Dark Knight <laughs> I, I saw a couple times and I liked it. Interesting. But cool. I also had a big crush on Heath Ledger. Uh huh. So, oh sure. As the Joker. The Awkward. Ledger. Who did oh, it? Too. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not so much that that the movie that Inception didn't have any. It wasn't the fact that it doesn't really have anything for women. It's just the fact that it wasn't really your thing, I guess. Yes, not my yeah. kind of movie at all. Okay, cool. So you okay. you can't speak for women as a gender, right? Right. Probably not. I mean, do you know any girls who? I don't know. I don't know anybody that said they loved it. Maybe my sister liked it more than I did, but I mean, it's definitely not a movie that women talk about. I think. Right. <laughs> I think we can all agree that yeah, it's a a good movie. But okay. wouldn't put it on like a, you know, a favorite list. No. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Huh. Well, thank well, you for joining us, Amanda. Yeah, yeah thank, you thank you very welcome. much. I love you, and I'll see you in a little bit. Oh, <laughs> uh, stop it. Goodbye. Tiny, why don't you share with us your feelings toward Christopher Nolan and how you came about uh, being a fan of his? Sure. Um... I, I think I first became a fan, uh, much much like Mike did, was when I saw Memento. Um, but I saw it substantially earlier than Mike did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that movie came out in I don't know, 2001 or two, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I 2000. I saw it. 2000. Sorry. 2000. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I saw it probably in 02 or 03. Uh, oh wow! And you know, at the time I was young. Um, I was just a freshman or a sophomore in high school, so. Uh, that's kind of a point in my life where I was sort of really developing my taste in movies, I guess. Um, Because, you know, you you have favorite movies from when you were a kid, but I think that's just kind of how you were when you were a kid. It's not really indicative of how you're going to like movies when you're an adult. And Mm -hmm. That's just like kind of a point in my time where I was really getting into... I was starting to watch, you know, Kubrick movies and old older movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I was I was just starting to develop a, a taste and I think Memento was kind of instrumental in that because it it's so unique that most people, including seasoned seasoned film buffs, had never really seen anything like it before. Uh, and so that's kinda how I felt about it. It was really influential on me. Nice. So that's that's the first time I discovered Nolan and um, I'd say the way I view him is I think he's I view him as actually an important person because uh, that might that might sound kind of weird, but I think every every generation, at least for the past half century or so, has probably kind of I don't know viewed a certain filmmaker as kind of representative of their generation, and I feel like Christopher Nolan could really be that for us, for for people like us who kind of have come of age during his. We've come of age as people during the same time that he's come of age as a filmmaker, and he, he can be very yeah he can be very representative of our huh. generation in my opinion. So it's it's that's, also that's interesting. How I think of him. It's also interesting that you discovered him in high school mm-hmm. while uh, and we're the, we're all the same age. We I discovered him in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an interesting perspective because I, I agree with that he is important to our generation but in 2001 i was kind of uh i was getting into quentin tarantino you know what mm-hmm. I mean? that and that was kind of where i developed uh, a love for for film in the way i do now okay. and, and caring about who directed it was 
probably after I saw Pulp Fiction. Right. Huh. All right. Uh, so I, I meant to mention this uh, at Batman Begins, but Hulk what did you guys think of the ending to Batman Begins, the setup of the Joker? Um, how do you think? How do you feel about that? And going into the Dark Knight, what were you expecting um, out of Heath Ledger? Uh, that's a big conversation, but just first, what do you think of the setup of being the Joker? I, um, I thought that it was, again, at the time, I I wasn't sure that it was a prequel or not, and I thought that it was uh, intending to set us up and say this is how we get to Tim Burton's Batman. Oh, yeah. And I was wondering where that was going to fit into the timeline. Other than that, I didn't think much of it until until you know we got Heath Ledger announcements and things like that. Right, mm-hmm. right. So. Yeah, I I had a similar opinion of it. I didn't I didn't think much of it. I'm not I'm not real crazy about blatant scenes like that where it's just like, hey, we're setting up the next one. I I would prefer that it's I would prefer that a setup for a sequel is more more natural like you, you work it into the story more um mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's a better way to go um so i'm not a big fan of those kind of scenes in general sometimes they're fun sometimes they annoy me but th- this one i guess i just i liked the rest of the movie so much that i didn't let it bother me mm-hmm. um that's kind of how I, I felt about it and I, I was i was very excited that they were going to have the joker as you know the joker was going to be in it definitely that that got me excited so I, I agree with you that some are bothersome, uh, but I think this was a fun one. I, I like the I like the way they the way they revealed the card, and it and okay. it didn't feel to me again because I was in the mindset of uh, it, this could be a setup to go into Tim Burton's Batman. It felt it felt uh, not throwaway is the word I'm looking for, but it felt just like hey, here's a here's a wink to the fans. In the same way that in Back to the Future, when he comes back and says we gotta go to the future it's it's not you it's your kids which was not planned for a sequel whatsoever they just thought right. it was a funny line and, mm-hmm. and I feel like the, yeah. the Joker card was just a cool idea okay interesting I saw it strictly as setting up the sequel oh really um, I did and I felt like and I mean it gave us a lot to think about in the in the three years between the two movies um, it kind of gave the fans something to clamor for and all that, um, and speculate. It was, it was, it was, it was, I hesitate to say that it's a good marketing tool, but it, it functioned as a good marketing tool. But let's, let's get away from that. Let's talk about the Dark Knight. Because <laughs> we kind of went on a tangent there. And we, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight has been called the greatest thing. <laughs> it's been referred to as better than Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reviews, of course, from my cousin who's seven. Oh, wow. <laughs> no. It's awesome. It, it's awesome. It really is. It's when it was being when it was being hyped up and everything pre-release. People were saying that it's it's one of the best crime movies since Heat or uh, um, or, or Goodfellas, I guess, or, or another crime movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that just got me so amped up for it and so excited for it yeah. because, I mean, it looked amazing. And it does look amazing. Um, and it was amazing. I've always said that it is, it is very much 
a crime thriller that just happens to feature Batman. <laughs> yeah. It's not so cool. much. I mean, it is not a comic book movie. It is not a superhero movie. Right. It's a crime thriller featuring Batman and Batman characters. Right. I feel like it can't be defined as one thing. I think it's too it's too dynamic of a film to be classified by by common common nomenclature. I think it's it has to be its own it's its own classification really. Um mm-hmm. That's how. That's how good. It's a psychological thriller. It's a. It's an action movie. It's. It's a crime movie. It's this and that. It's so many things that you can't. You can't just put it into one box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that the three of us all thought it was better than Batman Begins. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true for you guys? I had a friend yeah. who loved Breaking uh, Breaking Bad. Who loved Batman Begins so much that he thought Batman Begins was the better movie after seeing The Dark Knight. Wow. Yeah. So he's the one. And I tried to see... He is the one, yeah. (laughs) I tried to see his point. uh, And and he said that he liked the the plot of the first one. He thought it was very cool the way it was uh, intertwined and how the... How the blue lotus flower came back toward the end and and Mm -hmm. the fear and all that stuff was very cool. Um... And he's right in that the Dark Knight is not about plot, you know. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a character-driven piece, absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of gave him that, but as a character-driven piece, it's such a better movie. Mm-hmm. True. Near I perfect. Agree. I mean, it's a near perfect movie. Agreed. It that that's an interesting point that you bring that up because it's, I think for at least for us, at least I'm I'm assuming for us that it's it's so hard for us to look at to juxtapose those two movies objectively because dark Knight has just, it's just overtaken the trilogy and become its own thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a, it's almost yeah. like it's not a, it's, it, they don't, they actually don't, they don't even call it the Batman trilogy. They call it the dark, the dark Knight trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. That. So, yeah. And I think uh, I'll, I'll let Matt talk about this, but you said that mm-hmm. it's a character driven story, Mike. And that's right. It's Matt, after, I think after we saw it the first time, Matt and I saw it, um, in the theater, Matt said that it was it was the Joker's movie. That's it, it wasn't was. a Batman movie. It was a Joker yeah. movie. So, so Matt can talk about and that. It was it was it was definitely the Joker's movie, and it was also Heath Ledger's. And yeah, it was. I mean, he was just phenomenal. I mean, he just he was just incredible. Um, and just the way that the way that the character was written was just perfect. I mean, it was just a perfect. I, I think I used this comparison before, but it was a perfect blend of. Just actor, uh, an actor performing at his height mm-hmm. for a director and writer who is also kind of who is also kind of at it, at his peak at the time, mm-hmm. um, and it was just this beautiful blend of just just absolutely astonishing performance um, and, and direction. And I mean, there's so there's so much to the Joker to the performance of it at least to, to to Heath Ledger's performance that it was just you you have to see it several times to really appreciate the the amount of work that went into that creating that character like that scene where he uh he has the newscaster mm-hmm. uh i believe it's the newscaster and he's he has the handheld camera and he's he's taunting him and all that or no no, no not news it's, it's a batman it's, impersonator it's the batman, batman impersonator, impersonator. Yeah, yeah sorry yeah my bad. When he has the Batman impersonator and he has the handheld camera, I mean, like, there's so much, like, that, 
you can that's the best like they they really created the the sense of fear that the joker has like this he's this wild chaotic being and he's like he's taunting this this helpless guy who's just i mean he's a little crazy because he's dressing up like batman but Mm -hmm. he's also i mean he's well-intentioned but well batman's a little crazy but that's that's (laughs) a whole other conversation but go ahead right right but in the in I swear, like, I've seen the movie uh, countless times. I mean, I could count the times, but I've seen it an obscene amount of times. And just about every single time, whenever the Joker says, uh, when he's taunting the guy and he's like, look at me! (laughs) It just startles me every time. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's crazy. I've gotten into the the habit of yelling that at my nephew. My sister doesn't really like that. (laughs) Um... So that movie made, um, my numbers could be off here, $7 trillion? Is that I think it was seven and a half. Seven, seven and a half trillion dollars. So it yeah, made a bunch yeah. of money. Uh, and then, of course, it spawned a billion uh, Joker Halloween costumes for years yeah. to come. And I remember, in a weird way, having this strange aversion to that. Like, huh. like so many emo kids, and I hate to use the phrase because that's, that's so yeah. stupid, but... So many emo kids, scene kids, whatever, dressing up mm-hmm. as the Joker like that was the only good thing in the movie. And that really bugged uh, yeah. me because it's not. Because there's so much it's more not. to the movie. And as much yeah. as I loved the Joker and and as much as he deserved his posthumous Oscar and as much as, mm-hmm. as, much as he did steal every scene he was in, my favorite line is toward the end uh, when Commissioner Gordon yes. – or yeah, I guess he's commissioner by then – says mm-hmm. – uh, um, People deserve to have their faith rewarded. I love that. I, I love that that's, mm-hmm. that's Batman's whole thing. While the movie is the Joker's movie, um, what Batman is trying to say in this movie is that people people shouldn't fear all the time like they did in Batman Begins. And there is chaos, but sometimes sometimes there needs to be someone there to just say it's okay. Even when it's not, to just make people feel better, to make people's lives easier. It goes back to... It goes back to Batman caring about this city and just wanting what's best for the people in the city. Right. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, I agree. So too. lots um, of... Funny enough... <laughs> let me tell one quick anecdote and I'll let, I'll let you okay. talk. Uh, funny enough, I said, um, anybody who still dresses as a doker is is a douchebag or something like that. And uh and the woman I'm about to marry dated a guy who dressed as the Joker and so I was kinda like, Oh yeah. Like I that nice. One. Nice. Yeah. A little personal victory. Yeah. That's awesome. Nice. Um Yeah, I never once dressed like the Joker. Yeah. Uh one thing that a lot of people bring up when they talk about the Dark Knight is uh the comparison of Jack Nicholson's Joker to Heath Ledger's yeah. Joker. Thank you for bringing that up. I, I know a lot of people bring it up, and I just think this is just my opinion. But I think I just don't think they're very comparable. I think they're two different characters when you when you think about it. Because you know, uh, Jack Nicholson's was more of more of the comedic side of mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the Joker, as well as he had a dark side as well, obviously. But it, he, they emphasized the comedic, the joke telling, the one liner Joker, as opposed to mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's was they emphasized the psychosis and the the mania of the character as opposed to the 
the the actual joking side, the, the comedic side of it, and I, I it's just they're two different characters, really. Yeah. And I don't I don't think you need to pick a favorite, really. I don't think you need to say one is better than the other. Um, that's just how I feel about it. What do, what do you guys think? I agree, and I would like to kind of extrapolate that to um, the entire. I hate I hate this word so much, but I'm not. So, I hate this word, but the entire Nolan verse of, of Batman, um, because people compare it to like, I mean, there's comparisons to Schumacher's Batman's to, to Burton's Batman's, but they're not comparable at all because it's like Nolan has created this, this world, this, this, this Gotham world. That's, that's very much, um, his own thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's his own vision of it. It's not, he, it can't be compared to the kind of there, – there's kind of a comic book renaissance of comic book movies, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least this is the golden age of it, I guess. But mm-hmm. like people take it more seriously, and it's partly because of Nolan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more grounded in reality, and you can't really compare the two. You know what's um, interesting is what it can be compared to it more so than the, uh, the Tim Burton and the Joel Schumacher versions uh, films – is the are the comic books these mm-hmm. are certainly more faithful to the comic books in particular the killing joke uh in the killing joke the joker we get an origin but it's also a vague origin and multiple i've origins. also i've actually read that one yeah it's 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 really good uh it ends weird it ends with like batman and the joker just laughing at each other but uh but you right. get that in the joker you get the two versions it's also mm-hmm. based on uh loosely on the long halloween uh-huh which is kind of the uh the evolution of of Harvey Dent into Two Face, which we haven't even mentioned yet, okay. and, and I yeah, love. yeah, wow. What'd you think of uh, Aaron Eckhart, guys? It's great. He yeah, awesome. he he was very good. I think I, I will say I think that character could have been played by any number of actors, whereas sure. whereas the Joker was so so inherently Heath Ledger's uh, mm-hmm. that. You know, it's it's easy to. I, I just think it, it could have been played by any number of actors, but it could have also been played very poorly by any number of actors. But mm-hmm. Aaron, Aaron Eckhart clearly had his had his heart in that that role. And I remember I remember reading in interviews, so many people focused on the Joker in that, and Heath Ledger and stuff like that. They they focused on that with that film. And I remember reading an interview with Aaron Eckhart where he was just so he was so happy to be there. Because, yeah. um, well, because not not because you know he was he wasn't necessarily a household name at the time, but because his favorite actor is Gary Oldman. Oh yeah, oh, that's he, awesome. He 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 just I remember him being in the interview just saying, every chance I got, I was asking Gary about. I was asking him about Sid and Nancy. I was asking him about <laughs> you know True Romance. I was asking him about just what he does to be an actor, and nice. I think he, at one point he said, "I think the guy kind of hates me now," but. <laughs> um, it was just really, I really appreciated Aaron Eckhart after after I read that that interview hmm. that he gave. So yeah. I, I, I like the guy. I think he's great. I, yeah. I will say I liked him. Uh, I liked him as Harvey Dent better. I think than Two Face. He he played just hmm. a guy pretty well. Uh, but when he was going around mm-hmm. roughing up all the suspects, I feel like when he would get angry, it it was a little over the top. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Maybe it wasn't his strong suit, but he didn't. I wouldn't say he ruined it, or he didn't. I, I think he did it justice, but not, not as well as maybe somebody else could have. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but anyone, anyone in that role would have been under the shadow of Heath Ledger. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, True. So yeah. Um, yeah. Any anything else about Dark Knight, or should we move on? I mean, there's there's so there's much. so much we could devote. Yeah. We could do a uh, review and then just talk about every little aspect and talk. About, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I I do want to mention that it it is the movie of the three. I know there were several scenes in Batman Begins filmed in Chicago, and very few, I think, of The Dark Knight Rises filmed in Chicago, if any. None. Uh, but the bulk, the bulk of The Dark Knight was filmed in Chicago, and I just mm-hmm. love it because I'm I'm such a Chicago homer, uh, mm-hmm. and just like when they're when they're going down to what do they call it Lower Fifth or whatever, it's so clearly Lower Wacker Avenue, and and just like really? the city skyline when he's up on top of the buildings, it's it's just mm-hmm. awesome. It it. Um, I, fe- <laughs> I feel like Batman is saving my city because I, because I recognize <laughs> all the buildings and, awesome. and the streets and things. It's, it's That's great. great. Um, nice. and, and the scene where, where the Joker is, escapes from the prison and he's driving around and the music cuts out except for the, the Joker note, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he's just waving his hair in the wind and all that stuff it is, is, is the streets of Chicago. It feels like the Blues Brothers. <laughs> it really does. I I agree. I, I when I watched it, I felt it felt like Chicago. It didn't look like Chicago. Mm-hmm. It felt like Chicago. Yeah, I, exactly. I agree. Interesting. Exactly. Which I don't know if that's a good thing. I I guess <laughs> you know Batman Begins felt like Gotham. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We could talk about that. I feel like Batman Begins was the best depiction of Gotham as as something that uh, that you can't really put a finger on. And I like that they changed the places in in all three movies where they filmed. You know, uh, Pittsburgh mm-hmm. was was the last one. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Batman Begins was very Gotham. Yeah. True, I agree. Um, yeah, I can only hope that Superman versus Batman is filmed in Indianapolis, so that I can feel <laughs> like it's saving my city. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right, shall we? Uh, Move on to Inception. Totally. Yeah, that's a uh, Quentin Tarantino is a good starting point, I guess, for any any film buff. But um, that's interesting, tiny about. I like the way that you describe that being that we're uh, come of we've come of age as 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 movie buffs in mm-hmm. with the with the either coincidental or accidental insurgence of or, uh, or insistence of Nolan's work or if it's directly responsible if he's directly responsible for it. It's an interesting viewpoint. It's not one I'd really considered. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. Uh, um. As for me, my first experience with Nolan was also Memento and also in high school. Um, I remember I'd, I'd heard about it because this is, like like Tiny said, this is when I started kind of cultivating my my movie fandom. Like I was I was coming of age as a, as a movie buff is uh, the best way to describe it. Kudos to Tiny. Um, and, and, well, I, never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I'd heard it's like a family show. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, at the time I was, I was like kind of browsing the IMDb message boards, basically just soaking up anything, 
any discussions of movies that I could. Um, and I just heard whispers about this Memento movie. It's like, oh, it's this, it's this amazing movie. It's it's a high concept uh, noir movie that's told in reverse, and it's it's very 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 interesting and very uh, spectacular. Um, so I just saw it on uh, <laughs> it was on it was on like HBO or something, and this was like two thousand one two thousand two, and I recorded. Or I don't know if I recorded it because I don't know if DVR was a thing yet. But I watched <laughs> it like it was like three a.m. I think, and I just watched it and. I was just like I was blown away, and ever and then then I heard that he was making uh, 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 Batman, and I was just like, all right, okay. I, like, and it was interesting because when I went to see Batman Begins, I didn't, I didn't expect much because I felt like he was, I almost felt, and this is blasphemous, but if, I felt like he was kind of cashing in on it. Like, okay, he made it. He made his art movie with Memento and. Uh, I didn't know about Insomnia yet, but um, I was just like, I was just like, okay, well, that's kind of a weird choice, but maybe just going mainstream. And <laughs> as as we'll discuss, he, he it's not mainstream. Um, yeah. Not at least, it's not the cash yeah, in that I, I expected it to that. be. It's not a cash in. It's that's what I meant. Mainstream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, that, but yeah. that's what I meant. It wasn't a it wasn't a cash in. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't Joel Schumacher batman it was sure. he, he left his mark and he's continuing to leave his mark on film and everything all right now we come to the prestige uh my, this came my favorite right off edward the... norton and jessica biel movie <laughs> oh jeez. uh reference to the illusionist that's another that's one of those instances where hollywood kind of Either by happenstance or by sheer ripoff, um, released two movies identical, somewhat identical to each other, yeah. within a short time frame. And they tried um, to make it seem like they weren't similar, but it's two movies about two magicians. Come on, they're like Victorian they're both, era, yeah, they're both period magicians, pieces. even. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't really even remember exactly. The Illusionist, but yeah, I don't own it or anything. I remember kind of liking it. Yeah, we'll we'll save that for the Ed Norton episode. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the thing about the prestige is this came right after, um, Nolan really struck it big with Batman Begins. Um, it was kind of the start of him being kind of a, kind of a household name for film buffs. Mm -hmm. Um, like he left his mark on Batman or he started to leave his mark on Batman. And now, now he kind of dialed it back a little bit. With with the Prestige, which is still kind of a mind bending movie, mm-hmm. brought back Christian Bale, got Hugh Jackman in on it, got Piper Parabo and uh, Scarlett Johansson, and Michael Caine came back. It was also kind of the semi start to more. <laughs> it was the it was the second I believe second movie that had Michael Caine in it that Nolan did, and he's been in every every Nolan movie since. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always said Piper Parabo. You've are, oh really? What did I That's say? A- Parabo? I, Parabo? I, thought it, I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was Parabo as well. Huh. I'll ask her next time I'm having coffee with her yeah. and on a date with her. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, it's got Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale and Coyote Ugly in it. Um. No, but it, it, uh, so what did you guys think of The Prestige? Go ahead, Mike. Um, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. In fact, I've only seen it twice. Uh, and I remember loving loving most of it 
uh, but not liking some of the ambiguities about it. And I and I think that's not fair. I think sometimes you have to appreciate ambiguities in movies. But I just I just wanted to know. Uh, spoiler alert! At the end of the movie, every time uh, Angier dies, which which version dies, and we never know. We don't we don't know. And to me, that's mm. frustrating because he makes such a point out of wanting to be the one that gets all the glory and all the fame. So, which Angier are we to believe? dies every time because i also think it's pretty clear that it's random which dies every time so then the does the original hugh jackman not get the uh get the adoration every time that bothered me at the end of the movie and so and so when i stack christopher nolan's movies uh this this one is not at the top interesting interesting yeah i i don't know i never i guess i hadn't really thought about that which which Angier it is that dies at the end. That's hmm. good good uh good pickup by you, Mike. Thank you. And at the end of the movie, he's he's cloning himself, but um, there he's on the stage, but then he's also up in up in the rafters, but then he's also here, he's also there. I I think, and I could be wrong because it's been a while since I've seen it, but the way I took it is that it's pretty clear that it is random which version of Angier dies, and that bugged me because I I always. Felt bad for the original one. <laughs> hmm. Huh. Interesting. I guess I hadn't put that much thought into it. Me neither. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no. That's no. It's good. It's interesting. It's interesting because he's. I mean, he's kind of. He's essentially the villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. I would say antagonist is the better. That sure. yeah, that's yeah. true. It, he is the antagonist, and yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know which version is, is him. And I I appreciate the ambiguity of it, though, I, I guess, um, if I'm remembering it correctly, because mm-hmm. it kind of leaves it open to our interpretation of it, which I'm, I'm always fond of those kinds of movies. I know people, that's an unpopular opinion for ambiguity in terms of movies, but I like having something to think about afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, True. Hmm. True. Uh, have either of you, it, this is based on, that movie's based on a book, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Have either of you read that or know anything about it, really? Never read it. Uh, no, no. Yeah, me um, either. <laughs> uh, and by the way, just real, real quick, this has been bugging me since we did the Yahoo Answers episode last week, or last time we did the Yahoo Answers one. Um, when the guy, when the possible troll mentioned uh, uh, basing... Uh, 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 Nolan basing his work on other people's writings that should not qualify that should not disqualify or uh, hamper anyone's enjoyment of him as a director in any case mm-hmm. absolutely it just it just bugged me mm-hmm. but I agree if you want to hear more about us ranting about Yahoo Answers people mm-hmm. listen to that episode <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely um, but about the prestige I what I enjoyed it quite a bit. It took me a couple viewings to really appreciate it, which is kind of rare, uh, a, a, a rarity for me when it comes to Nolan. Because mm-hmm. um, the first time I saw it, I thought it was a good movie, but I didn't. It didn't grab me the way that Batman Begins grabbed me or Memento grabbed me. Um, but upon rewatching it, I kind of saw kind of more the the machinations that that went through Nolan Nolan's brain or whatever when he created it and or when he filmed it and made it and it, you can appreciate it on a performance level um 
because it's about two performers mm-hmm. who are at each other's each other's throats and they're kind of going after each other and it's there's that uh there's a good chemistry there i guess is what i'm trying to say um mm-hmm. and uh christian bale and hugh jackman are really are really are really good at playing up that um that uh that dueling kind of uh rivalry rivalry that thank you thank you <laughs> are, are really good at playing up that rivalry mm-hmm. um, i agree all all of the performances were really good in it um everyone is but i would say the strength is actually hugh jackman in it um even though you know you can make the argument that christian bale plays two different characters and he he has he has the the, the juggling act if you will uh pun intended um, of playing the two different people and, and, and trying to mimic the emotions through both both characters. Um, but I, I think I think the, the deeper evolution is is with Hugh Jackman's character, uh, what he goes through, and he, he turns himself into the villain, you know, um, yeah. to borrow a phrase from Nolan's, Nolan's canon, if you will. Um, right. But... I, I I thought I think the performance is better by Hugh, Hugh Jackman. I know a lot of people give Hugh Jackman crap, and I don't understand it because I think he's yeah. I, don't, I mean, I think I, I think he's first of all right. First of all, I think he's a really good actor, and secondly, mm-hmm. watch an interview with him. He's probably one of the nicest human beings on the planet, mm-hmm. nice. um, and always thoroughly enjoys everything he does. Yeah, and he he never says anything bad about anybody. No. You know, yeah. he's always positive. So. But yeah, and I think I think the prestige is one of his better roles in my opinion. So Yeah. And if anyone wants to question their enjoyment of Hugh Jackman or whatever, just watch his watch, just watch his even the opening uh, opening uh bit on uh when he hosted the Oscars. Oh yeah, that was great. That whole song and dance it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was. That and also <laughs> his entire performance in Les Rob. Yeah. Um just amazing or, performance, and he's and he really shines in the prestige as well. Um, yeah. Like you said, turning himself into the villain and all that. Mm-hmm. Or uh, last year's Oscars, he when uh, when uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence tripped on the steps, he's the only person who like rushed up to stage to help her. Oh, that's right. I, was I like, remember that. As soon as I saw that, I was like, he is so awesome. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's cute. He is awesome. Just he's a just the best. Yes, he is. He is. Uh, yeah. Um so um I'm looking at trying to figure out um the ending a little bit more but I I'm, re- I'm reading this line that says that Angier specifically says it took great courage to go inside the machine not knowing whether you'll come out and listen to the uproar or whether you would end up inside the water. I think that's pretty clear that hmm. it, it's random, but I guess does it clone their consciousness as well? Jeez, I don't know. We'd probably have to read the book to find out. Yeah, we need to. We need to like find someone who was on the movie and rough up a suspect and get some information. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Right, right. We definitely need to do that. Um, Um, Did you guys? I've heard this from some people before, but did you feel like the kind of the twist, if you will, at the end? Which I didn't necessarily think it was much of a twist, but the twist at the end that you know Christian Bale was. His his character was two people. You know, he had a twin, if you will. Did you guys think that was kind of like, duh? Like, obviously. I mean, I thought it was so obvious that there were two, there were uh, there were twins because 
the the character of Fallon was so mm-hmm. just looked like a kind of like a chubby Christian yeah. <laughs> with a lot of hair. And I, glasses. Uh, I guess I was distracted by everything that uh, Angier's Hugh Jackman was going through that I that I didn't really notice. It was kind of like oh okay, but a lot of people uh, <clears throat> complained that while we got that realism, that it, that the movie kind of cheated uh, when it came hmm. to science fiction. You know, when the science fiction hmm. element was introduced. Yeah. Like, that's the true. movie kind of Kind of, yeah. Way. And so, like, I appreciate the, the reveal of the twist, which, to answer your question, yeah, I guess it did kind of get me a little bit. Um, but I also I also feel like it it cheated. Okay. I feel like it was it was it was a magic trick. It was uh hmm. they they misdirected us with, with Fallon. Um It's an illusion, Matt. It's called an illusion. <laughs> it's an illusion. <laughs> um no, but I, I just thought it was it was uh, it was well executed in my opinion. I didn't expect that he was that he had a twin or anything like that. It, it kind of it, it it played itself out well for me. I felt like it may have been just a little in that first viewing. I felt like it was a little forced. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I rewatched it, I saw how the pieces fit together and how like when he ties when he ties the rope and it's all comes back to being just an accident of not knowing which knot to tie. Um. That just kind of brings it all together for me. And I understand, yeah, the sci-fi element is a little bit of a reach or a little bit of a stretch for the story that they're telling, I guess. Um, but also, I thought it worked well in its favor upon review. Uh, but in that first viewing or even first couple viewings, it kind of kind of seemed a little, maybe a little bit off-key off a bit, if you will. Okay. Let's, um, let's analyze the three parts of the magic trick t- magic trick and why the movie is called the prestige yes all right every great magic trick consists of three parts or acts the first is called the pledge the magician shows you something ordinary <laughs> a deck of cards a bird or a man he shows you this object perhaps he asks you to inspect it to see if it is indeed real unaltered normal but of course it probably isn't i, I won't go on the second act is called the turn <laughs> Magician <laughs> takes the ordinary, uh, ordinary something makes it do something extraordinary. Now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not really looking. You don't really want to know. You want to be fooled, but you wouldn't clap yet because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it back. That's why every great magic trick has a third act, the hardest part, the part we call the prestige. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What's that, the prestige nice. in this movie? I would say the prestige is uh, um, Christian Bale. Being a twin, okay. yeah, I agree. Yeah. Kind of like I said, it's kind of the seeing seeing the inner workings of of what happened. Um, seeing the seeing it being pieced together like that is kind of kind of gives you a, a sense of kind of coming full circle with the story that's being told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it has to be that the Christian Bale's character was a twin because that's the that's the only magic trick that takes the entire movie to tell. Right. So sure. that's okay. That's what it, it pretty much has to be. That. Okay. Would the turn be? Uh, would that? Would that be the the cloning? Um. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah. I would say. I would say the turn is Tesla. Maybe. Hmm. You know when they they're introduced to the character of Tesla and they realize that, you know, there's more to magic than just trickery it's there like you right. said there's like a sci-fi aspect to it mm-hmm. okay so that's what i would say you know hmm. okay huh. 
And then the pre- right. the presentation would be the the death of Angier's wife, I guess. Yeah. 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 Is that what it was? The presentation? Is that what it's called? The, the uh, pledge. The pledge. The pledge. The first part is called the pledge. <laughs> the first part is called the pledge. The pledge. Good old Michael Caine. Michael oh, Caine. Yeah. I love Michael Caine. Can't go Caine. wrong with him. No. He's the best. He never... Michael Caine never looks like he's acting. He looks like he's just... He just is that character. Like, I don't know. He just looks like he's... He's just showing up to work and just, just reading some lines. Not mm-hmm. that he's... I don't know. I just I I buy every single character he ever plays. <laughs> right. He's yeah. just a great a great act, great actor. Yep. Cool. Absolutely. Moving on. Uh, yeah. Uh, any parting thoughts on the Prestige? Um, I think it's I, I think it's treated like uh, Nolan's redheaded stepchild, but it should not be. I think it's one of his better movies, personally. It's his really cute adopted child. <laughs> <laughs> Ad- adapted child. Ooh. Nice. Zing. Wordplay. Nice. Thanks. Nice. Thanks. It's uh I feel like and this is going to sound this is going to sound like a dig at him, but I don't mean this by any way cuz I do like the movie quite a bit, but I feel like it's it's his what I did on my summer break between Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Ouch. Um, yeah, I know it sounds awful, <laughs> but I mean that's just I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it's a smaller movie. It it's uh sometimes what you do on your summer break is really awesome. Exactly. I mean, I loved summer vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's when you really find yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um Cool. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, shall we move on to the dark night? Let's do it. So, next up, I wanted to talk about theater experiences. Um sure. Because I, I like to I like to talk about how I've seen every Nolan movie except for Following and Insomnia in a theater, and I mean I it's guess just I've done the same. Really, I'm pretty sure I've done the same. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Not, so not intentionally, not to seek out. Right. Right. No. I didn't intentionally do that until uh, uh, the Prestige, probably. Um, so like with me, I. I mean, like, well, we've talked about it before, but um, Inception was a memorable experience just because kids were being obnoxious in the theater and it was crowded. But um, and then we've also talked about The Dark Knight Rises. Midnight viewing was just really spectacular. And, of course, Memento seeing, and seeing it at college was really cool. But I want to mention just briefly The Prestige. It was funny because I saw it, like, I barely made it to, like, a like an eight o'clock showing at a dollar theater, a second run theater and all that. And then I just kind of left the theater kind of, kind of felt, it felt like a Nolan movie, but that was, it was just, it was just like, that's when I noticed like, okay, I'm seeking this guy's work out. Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, cause I, I raced to go see it and all that. And then granted it was late and it's theatrical run, but still, I mean, it was still significant. If you guys didn't notice, this episode was edited in a manner befitting Nolan in that it was a reference to um, his early movie, Memento. 
Um, hope you guys didn't mind. Hope that wasn't too jarring for you. But um, yeah, uh, as always, you can reach us on Twitter at uh, I'm at Obsessive Viewer. Tiny's at Obsessive Tiny, and Mike is at I am Mike White. You can also like the blog on Facebook. And you can uh, email us any questions, comments, concerns, gripes, uh, suggestions, anything uh, at ovpodcast at gmail.com. And we like hearing from you. Also hit us with a review on iTunes, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Uh, Thanks for listening. Bye.